Hi, this is Robin McCauley. You are tuned in and listening to Focus on Metal. Focus on Hey, Metalhead, Scott Thompson here, welcoming you to another week of Focus on Metal and another week of Throwback Episodes. If you were with us last week, then you know that we talked to guitarist Tony Bruno all about his years with Soraya. And also you know that our guest then this week is the vocalist and namesake of that band, Sandy Soraya. I know that Richie was really psyched to be able to talk to Sandy all about all that stuff that happened with the band and especially because, really, she hasn't given uh, many, many interviews in the intervening years. So, again, Richie thought this was uh, just kind of a really good get. And, again, it satisfied a lot of his curiosity about what went on with the band in those years between 87 and 92. And all that information about those first two albums as well. And then at the end of this, he kind of gets into what's going on now and the possibility of us hearing some more brand new music from Soraya. So, hope you enjoyed this one, and again, just like last week, so much stuff to cram in here, no music this episode, just a great talk between uh, between my buddy Richie and Sandy Soraya. Hello. Sandy, good morning. Hi, how are you? I'm okay. Good you, afternoon. Oh, yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start talking about now first, and then I'll go back a little bit to uh, to the first two records, if that's okay with you. Yeah. Okay. So, Sandy, when did you get the urge again to to sing rock music? Well, I don't think it ever, you know, I always, it's not something that that ever went away. I just did not want to, I just didn't have the time, really, and my focus was all changed. But, I mean, I I never stopped singing. Um, You know, I would still do things um, locally with some musicians and things like that, so... Okay. Um, but you mean you mean in respect to uh, like professionally? Yeah, getting back into it now. You're writing new music uh, with Tony again. Yeah, no, I, I would say it's been the last three years, but I don't know why. I've just had a lot of difficulty. I mean, I love writing and I love performing and I love singing, but um, the the thought of going you know, like go going back into that, you know, just back into the the business part of it. I just it's deplorable to me. I just ugh, <laughs> don't like it. I don't like any of it. Yeah, you're just in it for the the music as an art form, and and not the rest of it. Yeah, because I mean, even when we started out um, years ago. I I always butt heads with the record company because they they always wanted to make me something that I was not, and I was not about you know the image thing. I I was never good at that, you know. And I don't know, maybe that was why because I didn't embrace that. I didn't embrace the the uh, that that part of it, the the business end of it, where I had to go promote myself and be and you know. Um, look a certain way or just, I just, I don't know. That was never me. And I think maybe that, that aspect kind of soured me towards the whole, you know, it, it made me not want to be involved anymore. It's like, this is not what I, you know, started doing music for. I don't want to sound like this, like, you know, uh, snooty, you know, Oh, it's, all, it's just all about the art. And I, you know, I, I'm one, I love to have fun, you know, and I loved, I mean, being on the road and, and being on stage were, were, you know, that's like the best part for me, the live music. But, um, I don't think I was ready back then for, you know, what it was really about, you know, behind the scenes and as far as the business end of it. Mm. And I, I just, I, I think that's what really gave me that um I, I was just, I, I really became repulsed and I think that's why I part of why I pulled back and just just dropped out of it I just it just was not anything what I thought it was going to be 
Mm. You know? They wanted me to be Lita Ford. They wanted me to dress in, in these, you know, sexy outfits and this and that and the other thing. And I'm like, okay, there's a time for sexy. I don't mind, you know, but that's not what I got into music for. And I think that's why I even took so long to, to get a record deal is because I didn't want to do it the way everyone else was doing it. Mm. And not because I wanted to be different. That's just, you know, that's just who I was. Mm. Was there, um, do you think Sandy back then, looking back now, and I've, mm-hmm. spo- I've spoken to a couple of uh, women rockers from back then, and they mm-hmm. all said the same thing, and I'm sure you probably experienced it too. Was there a lot of sexism back then, do you think, in the music industry? Yeah, but yeah. I don't know. Um, I'm not into that. I mean, sexism, it just it, it never bothered me. It's like, okay, these are things that, you know, I mean, different people deal with different things. And as, as a woman and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you got to do, I'm sorry. I'm not one of those girls that, you know, if a guy pays me a compliment or, or whistles at me, I'm going to be like, you know, all offended. I'm sorry. I'm going to be like, thank you. Thanks a lot. I don't think there's anything wrong with, it's something you have to deal with. Yeah. But it's not something in, that's insurmountable that you can't get around, you mm. know, I didn't think it was an obstacle. Okay. You know? Yeah. So when the Greco company sat you down our management and they wanted you to dress a certain mm-hmm. way, was, yeah. there any, was there any one particular thing they asked you to do or you put your foot down and said, no, I'm not, I'm just not doing that. Well, yeah, they, uh, um, our, they, they just wanted, first of all, they didn't want me to be, to promote the, the band as a band. And I, I, they wanted me to be a solo artist and um, forget about the band. And, and a lot of people, even to this day, tell me, you know, you should have, you, you know, scrapped that and just, you know, promoted yourself and done the, and, you know, you would have gone a lot farther had you done that. And I'm like, you know, well, that's great, but that's just not what I wanted. I just wanted to sing and I just wanted to be in a, in a band, I wanted to feel like I was part of a group, not promoting myself, you know? Hmm. Do you think, looking back now, that you should have gone with a band name rather than your name? Because then that would have well, highlighted the band. Yeah, well, I did. I I, I didn't, you know, we were going to be called Alsace Lorraine. Mm-hmm. Um, the record company would not, they just would not bend. And, you know, then they they said, well you know, use your last name and which is really my middle name, you know? Um, so, and then they changed the spelling and that was one of the things they would not like, they wouldn't bend on. But I said, okay, you know, you do that. But then I went and when they said, you know, for the album cover, we're going to just have you on there. And I was like, no, so it was a give and take, you know, I said, no, if you, you took the name my my middle name as the band name, so now I get to like pick the the album cover and 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 you know the first album cover was like you couldn't even tell I was a girl. I, I was all it was all like shadowy and mm-hmm. you couldn't really. So there was um, we would go back and forth, and I would win on some things, and but the record company, yeah, they they chose that name. Believe me, the guys were not thrilled about it either because that's not what we wanted to do but we we tried our best to put it forward as much as we could as a band I didn't you know every time I did interviews and stuff at at the radio stations I always took at least one of the guys with me I never went out and did it myself I always included them as much as I could Mm. so when I spoke to Tony one Mm -hmm. one of the things he told me that Casta kind of cast a shadow over the band for un- until you broke up was the publishing deal you signed with David Sonnenberg that that just yeah. caused that caused problems from from day one yeah so w- when you look back on that now how true was that I, I think it did affect uh, not me so much like I said um, and this is where I, I, I I'm not um, and maybe 
you know, people would say I'm stupid or what, but I was never about, this was never for me about becoming rich and famous. And so what, for me, um, it was, I mean, unless you were, unless you were doing other things to get your record deal and not doing it the, uh, um, what I would say the proper way, you were going to have to be at the mercy of the people who were helping you in the beginning. And so it was either you take this shitty, I'm sorry. No, you it's, this, no, you can swear, <laughs> swear away. I'm Irish. <laughs> you could take this crappy deal. And, and I'm like, if we don't do it, we won't even at least have a chance. If we do it and then we hit, we can always, you know, renegotiate and do something later. But if we don't even try, you know, because there's how many bands vying to get signed by a record company. And um, I had been at it for seven years. And I knew people who had gotten record deals that they, you know, they, they compromised, I, you know, themselves in ways that I would never. And so um, it was easy for them to get their things. But for me, I was like, you know, seven years of knocking on doors and, and trying to get like people that would just, you know, advance us from one, from point A to point B and to wherever we, we had to, to get our deal. And so I was like, I don't, I don't care what the publishing deal is. I, let's do this and we'll worry about the rest later, you know? Mm. So I don't know if, um, I can't speak for the other members. Um, I know, uh, I know it affected some of the other members like they're, you know, they would be grumbling about this or that. Well, you know, well then I remember um, my drummer saying, well, I want to be a writer, you know, just so that he could get a cut on the, you know, on the publishing and stuff. So I think there was a little bit of, you know, but not so much. I don't think, I think we were all with the attitude. I mean, Tony's a much better businessman. So, you know, maybe for him, um, it was okay. But I, I think the other, I think the other members were like, let's just do this and see what happens. You know, mm. so well, I, don't, I don't think it affected us mm. um, in a, you know. Sandy Linzer, was there any resistance from you guys to get in an outside songwriter for the debut? Well, Sandy, um, Sandy was involved when we were just, you know, we were just rehearsing at this little place in in jersey and um he had heard us because he he was there with another artist and he came into the room and i don't know he did he took a liking to to us and started asking us you know if we you know he was telling us that he was a writer da, da, da. we just started collaborating with him and um he really was instrumental in in getting us to the right people as well to david sonnenberg who was at the time um, managing Meatloaf, I think. Mm-hmm. And so he was, you know, yeah, he, I mean, if it weren't for Sandy, we would have never, we would have never gotten to, to David, who in turn got us to meet, um, what was his name? Jeez. God, I can't remember his name now. <laughs> but he was head of Polydor. Okay. And, um, and, I, I never had a problem really with Sandy, except for some of the stuff he would write was really, really cheesy. <laughs> and but I always had a good time because he he would um, he would write a lyric, and <laughs> he'd always look at me and be like, "You hate it," and I'm like, "Is <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I would never sing those words. I would never sing those. That is like dog shit. I can't." I can't. <laughs> So I will not. I would always give him this look, and he he would start laughing. He knew he's like, okay, nice. <laughs> so it, it was but, just it was just the lyrics that Sandy was brought in for, and not the music, not the arrangements. No, 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 not the lyrics. No, I mean not the uh, music. Okay, uh, it was just the the. Sometimes he would, you know, hum a melody or stuff, but he knew he knew that. Unless I, unless I came up with the the melody and and most of the like mostly he was he was good with ideas you know ideas for a song and then we'd go from there but I mean 
I had a good. I I, I like Sandy. I, I had a good time with him. Hmm. Now, um, before you went in and recorded a debut record with Jeff Glixman, how much mm-hmm. studio experience did you have? Minimal. I didn't have much. I remember thinking um, uh, there was a lot of. I mean, you you know the first record. It's it's like my voice is so overproduced. I th- I think it was overproduced. That's why I love the 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 sound on the um, on the second album much better. Mm-hmm. You know, because it captured more of what I really sounded like live. You know, and I <laughs> the first record was just like there 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 are times I I still I can't listen to some of it because it makes me cringe because I'm like oh my gosh why so much effect on my on my voice you know but they thought it was cool with it, that that 80s sound I guess but. You know, I, I'm still proud of that record. I just didn't like so much what my what they did to my voice. Hmm. It was just too much, too over the top. I think. Okay. Did you enjoy working with Jeff Glixman? Like, was he tough on I you? I love, I love, I love Jeff. He was he was just a laid back, but I mean, when when he needed to, you know, step up and and push us, he he did. He he knew what to do. He knew what he was doing. And mm. um, he was he was great for us. I I love him. I mm. love him. Tony said the same thing. Tony said it was a great yeah. experience doing that record. It was. It was. Mm. It was absolutely great. Okay. So, what are your memories of touring with Bad English? Any 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 highlights from that tour? <laughs> um, uh, we we had a good time. I. <laughs> I I was not I was I was the the band member that I'd do the show I'd hang out for a little bit and then I'd go to my hotel room and so most of the fun I had was the next day like at a late breakfast hearing all the escapades of you know what the other guys did (laughs) 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 like got most of my uh, most of the stories like and experience came through like hearing them, you know, secondhand. Uh, I was, I was very, I would just go to my room. I was, you know, I was more boring. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, you, you're, the, you're the singer. You have to take care of your voice I, too. Well, not really. I mean, what I, I love that my band understood about me and they would, they would go to, um, when they did an interview, they're like, you know, so how does Sandy take care of her voice? And they're like, are you kidding? This girl doesn't even do sound checks. She doesn't, I, I don't, I, I hated sound checks. I'm like, why? I mean, um, okay. I'll uh, get, get a sound level for my a volume level for me, but I don't need anything else. Um, the guys at the soundboard would be like, you know, this girl doesn't, she doesn't want monitors. I'm like, turn my monitors off. I don't want to hear myself. I just want to hear what's coming out, you know, and bouncing back from, you know, what the, the audience, you know? And so they would pride themselves because they're like, yeah, they're singers. Like the guy in great white, he'd sit there with like all these concoctions and lemon juice and don't put on the air conditioner and the buzz. And they're like, and our singers like, you know, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) You know, and, uh, yeah, they're like, you know, she doesn't even do sound checks. She doesn't even do anything. You know, I did, I did do, um, I would sing scales that this one voice teacher from New York taught me. And that would just be to loosen my, my voice. But I would do that about an hour before a show. And then the only other time I would I would uh, do anything vocally was um, if if I had a cold or something, I would do extra scales and stuff just to loosen the the vocal cords. But I wasn't like the honey and lemon girl or anything like that. I, I was not too obsessive about you know just get out there and sing you know. Mm. So so were you a fan of um, the timeless love to Desmond Child song when you did that? You know, I love the song. I don't think I was the right singer for that song. Desmond thought otherwise. Or, you know, he insisted that I did that. But I, I was like, this isn't, this isn't my style of music. But he did get out of me vocally stuff that I didn't think I could do with my voice. 
I didn't, I didn't particularly enjoy the, that performance. A lot of people tell me they like it. Oh, your voice on that thing. And I'm like, okay, whatever. But, uh, he did. I mean, there were, there were some notes there that there's no way I ever sang before. And he got them out of me somehow. Um, I remember him, he, he went and got a, uh, a chain and wrapped it around me. And, and I was like, what is this? <laughs> you know, and Tony was like, uh oh. Um, but but he did that I think to he, he said he wanted me to feel like I was trying to bust out vocally, just bust out of those chains. You know, and I was like, Okay and but I have to say it it did work. I did reach uh notes I never could reach before. Um mm. but I was, it was kind of tacky, that kind of approach, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tony told me the other day, the, tra- mm. the travel schedule to get to do that song was crazy. Yeah, it was. He said you were in England, you flew to L.A., and then the next mm-hmm. day you did the vocals and the guitar, and then the next day you flew back to England and then played a show that night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was... Uh, and then, you know, then the other guys in the band were like, what are those two going? And, you know, <laughs> they're like, do you think I really want to do this right now? <laughs> um, you know, but, you know, I had a great time with those guys. I love, I love each and every one of them. And, and like I said, I told you the other day, you know, I had that thing with Chuck after that fire festing, but I still, you know, I don't, I don't hold anything bad or anything i love them i love each and every one of them hmm. now the second record um you have got q prime to manage you yeah um big changes of course you changed a, ba- a band member and then when that album was done your your keyboard player left so yeah. there was a lot going on at that time um what what prompted the change in management well we were having uh disagreements with david sonnenberg and then what happened was I had, I was, I was with, uh, Brian from Tesla mm-hmm. at the time and they were managed by Q prime. And so Peter Mensch started asking, you know, questions about, I mean, to Brian about, you know, our band and that he'd heard of our band and whatever. And we became friends, me and, and Peter became friends and he just was, you know, he just advised us to, um, you know, make a change there because he didn't think that they were doing the band justice, you know. So we made the change. But I don't know in retrospect if, you know, with David, we were only, we were the only, um, like, rock band that he had at that time, besides Meatloaf. But I don't know. I think Q Prime had so many bands that we kind of got, like, um, over not overlooked, I would say, but they had so much going on, and I don't think we got the um, attention that we needed from the management company. Mm. And I think maybe that had something to do with things going, you know, off the rails a little bit. Mm. What sort of a relationship did you have with Peter Collins, who did the record? I think him and Tony got on a lot better than. Me and I mean, they had a rapport and I was trying to, at the time, just deal with all the, all the changes and the expectations that come with, you know, okay, here we are, we're going to do a second record and all the, all the little pressures that come with that. And so I loved being in the studio I loved the recording experience and but I I did get a little bit more I think I don't know I I started I think separating myself a little bit isolating myself work because I think a lot was going on and I didn't really know how to handle things you know Mm -hmm. but I I still had a blast in the studio I think I I love that record I I mean, a lot of people like the first record, but I like the second one better. I do. I think it, it, it's more the direction that I envisioned for the band as opposed to the that kind of slick, 
kind of stuff that was on the first album. Hmm. But, you know, a lot of people disagree with me. A lot of people like the first album much, much better than the second. Hmm. I prefer the second one, personally. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Me too. When did you get a sense, and I asked Tony this question, when did you get a sense that Greg was really annoyed with what was going on with the second record? And, well, you know, it was it was going in a, in a bit of a heavier direction. And, um, you know, he was such an integral part of, you know, the band. I mean, that me and him founded the band. And and so a great writer, too. I mean, he and musically, he he was he was just great. I mean, great talk, great artist, great musician. But I just think that he felt that diminishing the 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 keyboards that was gonna like to, I don't know make his position I don't know he got resentful I think you know but um, I think anyone would in his position when you know there's so many more keyboards and and piano parts on that first album and. I mean, you don't you don't want to feel like all of a sudden you're not as prominent in the band anymore, and I think that kind of hit him, and uh, I think he butt heads with Tony a little bit mm. over the direction of the band. But I mean, it, it would have been okay because his writing was I loved his writing that I fed off his his um, musical style, and the only thing was that I just I didn't I didn't want as many keys on on as as part of the sound you know and i think if he would have just sat with it for a while and, and, and understood that he still plays a very important part in the band just it's just not going to be sounding as instrumentally as like like it did on the first record i think it would have been okay but he just i don't know if he felt threatened by it or like i don't know did you guys have to talk to him a few times uh, and, and beg him not to walk away, or did he just walk away and that was the end of it? He just did it once. No, I I talked to him, you know, but uh, he pretty he was pretty decisive about what he wanted to do, and I wasn't going to beg him, you know. Mm. Um, not it wasn't a pride thing. It's just that, you know, at that point, it's human nature. If you just you know leave it alone, maybe they'll think about it, and you know, yeah, I I, I never. I never chase anybody. I that's not my nature. I never have and I I I just don't believe that's the way to get people to, you know, respond the way you'd like them to. You just give them the space, you know, and if they, you know, light bulb goes on and they turn around and whatever, but I I don't I I'm not one that chases people. Hmm. Not in my personal life. <laughs> not, <laughs> not in my music either. So. Yeah. So, so Sandy, did you want to work with Jeff Glixman again on the second record? I think at that point I was so like excited. I, I didn't care who I worked with, as, you know. As, I, I mean, I welcomed trying new things, you know. And I love Jeff, but I don't remember if there was a scheduling conflict or what what he was doing or something. And now I don't remember whether it was Q Prime who suggested. Uh, then, yeah, I don't, and it's foggy to me mm. how that was, but I, I welcomed working with, with anyone, you know, that I thought was going to take us to the next level. Mm. Now, Q Prime would have, would have signed you based on the debut. Um, did they sit down and, and say, right, we want the second album to sound different like this, or do you think the band would have gone in that direction anyway? We would have gone in that direction anyway. Okay. Yeah. It's something you you sat down and all talked about. Yeah. Now I remember sitting and and being in New Orleans and 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 writing for the for the second album. I just I I knew the band was moving in a, in a new uh, more guitar oriented direction, and I was excited about it. Hmm. I was really excited about it. I mean, I grew up. I loved. I was the girl. I I went to a very small high school, and everyone was into Bruce Springsteen. Being from Jersey, everyone was into Bruce Springsteen and the Grateful Dead. And I was there, you know, Scorpions, Judas Priest, (laughs) and um, dressed in black all the time. (laughs) And so I I was 
I was always about, I, I loved metal, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, though I didn't want to sing heavy metal, but, um, I loved that, the, the, the rawness of it and the, I just loved it, you know, and, and so I think I was always bent on more guitar oriented style. And I think the reason why I, um, I even had a keyboard player was because I loved writing with Greg. I loved, you know, I loved his um, musicianship and his ideas. And so, and then some of the stuff was just, you know, just beautiful what he would write and how he would embellish the songs. But like I said, the first record is not, it's not, it wasn't really my style. Okay. The, the lyrics on the second record seem mm-hmm. to be more spiritual than on the first record. Yeah. Was there anything that prompted that? Well, what's funny is I, I was writing these lyrics, but I didn't know really where they were coming from. But I just I, I just started writing. And then at the end of writing the album, I looked back and, and um, anyway, I came to a point where I found God, you know, and it was after I had already written the lyrics and the music, and I started reading the Bible. And when I, <laughs> when I started reading it, I, I was finding, I found Lion's Den in there. Mm-hmm. I found Queen of Sheba in there. Bring Back the Light was so about, I mean, if I, if I could substitute some of those verses for, even in the shade of the sun, if I would have, it's very spiritual, those lyrics, but I didn't know God when I wrote it. I found a master. So I think that was, I don't know, I think that was by his design. I think he was little by little just leading me to, you know, find him, you know. And and now when I when I read those lyrics, I, I laugh because it's like it's so, it's so him to do stuff like that, you know, use the gifts or the talents that he's given you to as a means to find him. Mm. You know, I mean, that's, that's what I I feel he did in my life anyway. Mm. Was there any pushback from anyone at the label or the management to change the lyrics a little bit that they were too spiritual? No, because I don't think they even, I mean, they were spiritual to me yeah. because, because only I could see, after finding God, I could see what, you know, the, I could see the meaning, but I don't think the record company had a clue. Okay. I don't, I don't even think they even looked at that. Yeah, not at all. Okay. Now, the, the one thing about this record, and I talked to Tony about it as well, there's no standout single on it that, that was, you'd love this taking its toll on, on the first record. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But on this one, there's no standout track where I can point out and say, yeah, that's the single. Right. Yeah, the, 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 it's a brilliant album, but there's no commercial, other than probably the last track, which is the only ballad on it. It's a lot of epic uh-huh. tracks, you know, brooding, mid-paced rockers. Was, yeah, that, yeah. was that a concern for you guys? Did did the management or the label say, look, you, you got to write a hit single here, I don't hear one? If that was the case, I don't, I mean, they didn't say it. I I don't remember them and, and Q Prime, they, um, if they didn't feel confident that we had a, a single, they wouldn't have, I don't think they would have let us, you know, move forward. Mm. But I don't know, you know, I agree with you. I don't think there is a standout single. I think one of my favorite songs on, on that record is um, When You See Me Again. I love that song. But, yeah, I think the songs were too long, you know, to be a single. I don't know. Hmm. I don't even remember. I don't even remember what, what did we come out with? Seducer. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the only single on it, and then that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There's some songs on this I love. Um, In the Shade of the Sun is brilliant. I love it. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm actually holding it in my hand here, the CD. <laughs> um, Bring Back the Lights, brilliant. Um, what else? White Highway, love that song. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, um, it's a brilliant sounding record. Now, one of the things Tony said when I spoke to him was uh, mm-hmm. they were looking for an album that sounded like Pyromania or Hysteria. They were looking for a, a pristine sounding record like that. Do you remember that being yes. talked about? Yes, yes. Okay. I do. And you were on board with that, obviously. That you- well, I, like I said, I love singing. I love writing. And the excitement that um, Tony felt for going that way, I was just, yeah, let's go. You know, I was all for it because he was so excited to be going in that direction as well. So, hmm. um, so I kind of, I didn't, you know, I thought it would be cool to have that, you know, with a, a female fronted kind of band with that going in that direction. I thought it was going to be cool, but it's not cool enough. <laughs> yeah. Now, <laughs> Tony told me you went out on the road with Badlands and, um, yeah. he said Jakey Lee was a bit of a dick to you guys. Um, he didn't get into why. And you can tell me, and I'll, if you want it on the record or off the record, it's fine with me. He said that the bad English guys treated you guys great, that you were you were out supporting them, but it felt like you were actually on a tour with them and, you know, they treated yeah. you well. He said Jake yeah. just didn't. Huh, I don't, that I don't have any recollection about. If, if I mean, maybe Tony caught that vibe, but I, I don't think I paid attention. Okay. Okay. Um, we got on. I remember just having a a blast on the road with uh, Neil Sean, and yeah, we had a really really good time hmm. with those guys. Yeah. Did Did you get a chance to sit down and talk to Ray Gillen from Badlands a lot? Um. No. I mean, he grew up like the next town over. Yeah. From where I did, and um, no, he was a total sweetheart, though. I mean, lovely person. Yeah, he's one of my, he's one of my favorite singers. Absolutely yeah. incredible oh. voice. Unbelievable, unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, that guy. So, so tell me when you look back on it now. Why, what, what do you see now? Is the, what was the demise of the band? Uh, what, why did it, why did it die for you? I think for me, it was. I just i I hated the music business. I hated it. I couldn't stand it. And I think instead of fighting through that, I just shut down. I just completely shut down. And I was encouraged by so many people. Oh, my gosh. You know, Sandy, don't drop the ball on this. Get out there. You know, you're doing something. You know, there's, there's, you know, a lot of women out there doing it. And, you know, they're pushing the sex thing. But you're you know, you're, you're different. You know, um, I, I, I remember somebody writing about me, something like, uh, Sandy, Soraya, the guys love her, but their, their girlfriends love her too, you know? Hmm. And I thought, I thought, wow, that is the biggest compliment ever. So I, I was happy that, because that's, that's ultimately what I wanted. I, I wanted an audience. I didn't want to be like the, you know, all, all these guys coming to the shows and, you know, hmm. it was, I, I, I just wanted to, I just wanted to sing, you know? And I was, um, yeah, that stuck out to me. Uh, was it Paul who wrote that? I think it was Paul Suter. Maybe it was. <laughs> and I think I should have fought to stay in and, and, um, but I just, I lost heart. I just, I completely lost heart because I got so bitter about the politics of, you know, trying to get to the top. You know, I just, I didn't like the cutthroat, all the, all the BS. It just turned into like, it just, it just turned into like, more of a business kind of thing. I, it just, and then also going from, you know, when, when the first record came out, the budget for our tour and everything, I mean, they threw everything at us. They gave us brand new buses, this, that, the other. I mean, they spoiled us. And then the second record was like, it was a bigger, much more struggle 
then then I would have to deal with hearing like the guys not be too happy about stuff and you know it, it was just too much for me it's like look I, I don't want to I don't want to even be in this position all I want to do is show up sing and and go to the next town and do the same thing you know make a few videos get the song on the radio but it became more about like you know um just hearing people complain and it was it was taking the the love of music out of me and i, I never wanted that hmm. did um you know? did you not even sing for a while after that that you just shut the whole thing off completely I did. I just dropped out. I just dropped out. And then, of course, I got married um, to Brian, and I was trying to make that work, um, which was difficult because when he was on the West Coast, I'd be on the East Coast. He'd be in Canada. I'd be in Florida. He'd be in Japan. I'd be here, you know. And mm. so um, he was like, you know, one of us has to, like, slow this down or we're not going to. And I was like, I'll I'll gladly put this on a hiatus for a while because I don't even know if I want to do this anymore. So then I just thought I would just keep writing, and when I was ready to go back into it, I'd be ready. But I then other things happened, and I completely got um, just off that. I music was just not even anywhere on my mind or anything. I just um, dropped it. And and the thing was him being in Tesla and him going out on the road with him as just um, as, as his wife and not, and watching them perform night after night was like, okay, if I'm not going to be in music, I cannot, be on I cannot go out on the road with test I just can't it's just too too close to home for me yeah you know so um uh, there were other things I was interested in I went back to school because um I loved working with kids um and I was gonna work with kids that were dealing with terminal cancer and doing music therapy with them wow and um so that took a lot of my time. I and um, and so yeah, uh, music just kept being put on the back burner for me. I kept going, oh well, can't do this right now. Oh well, can't do it here either, you know. And then after a while, um, you know, uh, and I was approached by several musicians to work with them, you know, write with them, do a band with them. And I'd be like, mm, no, no, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. I turned everybody down. I think the only musician I worked with <laughs> this whole time was um, Tony Harnell because I mean, uh, I love him. I love, I, I love him. He's a, he's a sweetheart. And he asked me to sing some harmonies on, on one of his songs a few years ago. And I was like, sure, you know, and I did that for him, but I, I didn't really do anything else. I sang in church a lot. You know, I sang worship songs in church mm. and, um, and then I had to quit that because, um, it started getting uncomfortable and people came up and, and <laughs> were like, wait a minute, you know, weren't you in that? And I'm like, oh gosh, and I, you know, I don't want this to, because uh, I would never talk about my musical past ever, never. It was like it never happened. So before the Firefest show, I think it was in two thousand and ten. Um, mm -hmm. had anyone tried contacted you about putting Soraya back again, back together again? All the time, all the time, so all the time. People were begging me to put that put put the band back together but Tony was doing I mean he and still is doing very well and busy and I'm like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have him you know be bothered with this when he's doing that you know so I just you know I just never unless I would get a phone call from him you know when he had some downtime or anything I never pursued it 
Did, did you feel bad about the way the whole Firefest thing was, was handled? Of course. Yeah, I did. Because it hurt my feelings because, you know, it made me look like I was after money. And it was just like, what? I mean, okay, I'm sorry. But the way my life is, I don't live for that. I live for God. And that's that's who I live for. I don't, you know, I'm not a perfect, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not one of those like perfect cookie cutter kind of Christian people. But I love God and I love other people. And I, I don't, you know, that's how I live my life. Those are my highest goal is to please God and and to love, I mean, to love God and love other people. So to do something that would hurt anyone intentionally, that's not my, that's not who I am. And so, you know, people made it look like I was being greedy, but it, it was not that at all. I mean, my husband had had back surgery and you know it does I don't know if anyone knows what it costs to raise five kids these days (laughs) Sandy I have I have two kids I I can imagine what five costs oh my gosh and four (laughs) of them four of them being girls oh my gosh I mean and so it was and and also I had I had fear of being because they were young still back then yeah and and I had fear of if I'm going to get on a freaking airplane, I'm taking them with me. I'm not, yeah. you know, I, and so uh, the only stipulation I had was, look, I'm going to have, uh, and I didn't expect them to pay for them or anything like that, but I needed to be on board with, they're going to be with me. And, um, and that was that was my biggest thing. But what happened was Tony, he was so busy. I mean, you know how busy he was. Oh yeah, I'm sure he told you. So I and and it's my fault too. It's because like when he says something, okay, he does it. He's gonna do it. But me, you know, I I'm in another world. I'm not in the music business at all. I've been raising children you know, the past, uh, since 1997. Okay. Uh And this is 2010 and I'm in like mommy mode and that's my world right now is them. And he's asking me to do this thing. I got excited about it. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. You know? And, um, but then I didn't hear from him for like nine months. So I'm thinking, Oh, well, I guess this isn't happening. By the time we we got to talking again, he's assuming I already have my passport. I have this. I have that. And then this thing happens with my husband with where he had to get back surgery. And I was like, the timing couldn't have been worse. And so I had to pull the plug. I couldn't. I couldn't. I wasn't going to. First of all, um, you know, yeah, there, there was fear involved because I'm like, you know, First, my husband was going to come with me. Now he can't, you know. Um, he's laid up. I have to take care of him. You know, he has to recover. And I'm like, there were so many things that just went wrong. And I don't know how it turned into because I wasn't getting enough money, but that had nothing to do with it. But like I said, I was like, okay, if, if that's how you got it, if you have to throw me under the bus, and and have to you know feel like you have to say that that's okay. I don't blame you. You're you're upset, and I I don't blame you for being upset. But I can't do this right now. I can't. Hmm. Yeah. So did um did you even get to to the stage where you rehearsed any of the songs, or it didn't even get that far? No. Uh. Okay. I mean, I was rehearsing it. I was I was always singing at home. You know, um, not necessarily my songs, but I was always, you know, getting ready and making sure my my vocal cords weren't, you know, in a state of atrophy. <laughs> I I wanted to, but then, like I said, I'm like Tony. I I didn't even think we were doing this anymore. Now you're telling me, you know, we're leaving in you know six weeks. I, I don't even have a freaking passport ready. So it was, um, yeah, it was. 
you know, do I, do I regret that I couldn't? Of course I do, mm. you know, but, um, I will say I could have pushed through and done it if I had gone by myself and all that stuff, I could have done it. And I think that's where the, um, you know, the resentment was, but you know, as a person, I wasn't mentally ready to leave all my kids and my husband in the state he was in and the financial burden of it all because it wasn't like we weren't getting paid. You know, I, it was just, it was just, it was just not good timing at all. Mm. Sandy, and, um, Sandy, I agree with your decision. Family first, always. I had to, I had to, and I, and I don't know how to make anybody understand that. I mean, um, my friend Tony Hornell was like, Sandy, whatever you do, don't go on the fire fest night. I don't want you to trip out. I'm like, I'm not. Mm. <laughs> I'm <there>. I mean, <laughs> um, there's, it's funny. I don't know if I did it, you know, because I, um, because it hurt me to not do music. I think maybe that's part of it. Like just hurting so bad. It's something I loved so much. And that was everything that I was. And, and I wasn't doing it anymore. I like people would ask me, they're like, do you know, people are looking for you. And I'm like, no. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, um, you know, cause some of the friends that I made here, I confided in, they, they're like, you know, what background are you from? You know, what did you used to do? And so I would tell just, you know, one or two people that were close to me. And then they'd go and look me up and Google me on the, on the internet. And they're like, do you know, there's like, your fans are looking for you. They don't even know where you, what happened, where you were, where you are, where you're living. There's people making guesses of what you're doing. And, um, somebody said you had breast cancer and died. And I was like, <laughs> I said, no, I don't Google myself. I'm sorry. I just, I, I won't go there, you know? Mm. So when Tony said, don't go on there because, you, you know, they're ripping you apart and I don't want you to get, now I'm like, I, I really, you know, first of all, I don't do that. I don't, I don't look those things up. And second of all, I, why would I do that to myself? I don't, I don't want, you know, I don't want to hear that people are hating me for something that, you know, they don't even know my situation. So, yeah. So Sandy, before I leave you go, um, mm -hmm. tell me about the new music Tony's been sending you. Is it like the second record or is it more like the first record? Um, I would say more like the second record. And I, I really, I love it. I love this song. Um, the first song that's completely done and in the bag is, um, a song called code blue and I'm, I can't stop singing it. I, I love the song. Tony hasn't even heard it yet. All I have given him is are, are the lyrics because, um, I haven't, um, put it down anywhere where I could send it to him and sing it mm. so, and have him hear it. But it, I, I love, I love the song. And then this other one, um, this other song right now, I, it, the dummy name for it is minus you and um and that song is also in that vein and there's so many other things i'm working on you know pieces right now i'm hoping to get everything done by the end of april and then move on to you know getting into the studio or recording it okay do you, do you have a label um, do you have a record label that's going to come out on no not yet i mean i have i have a lot of options right now and I haven't even talked it. I mean, all we're doing right now is strictly focusing on the music. We, I mean, until that is done and in the bag, you know, it's, 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 we're not even talking about, you know, I think though, Tony was talking about frontier records. Which yeah. Is, they do everybody. You know, what everybody's doing. Yeah. But I, I have other options too that, um, I'm going to talk to him about, um, of people that have approached me and, uh, have been waiting for like years, you know, and they're like, you know, you know, anytime I'm like, okay, okay. Well, that's, that's, so the, we'll that, that's the great thing about the business now, Sandy, there's so many more options out there than when you released the records in the late eighties and early nineties. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, you're in control of it now more than you were mm -hmm. probably back then. Mm -hmm. So I'm yeah. sure that 
that's one of the that's probably one of the reasons you're you're enthusiastic about doing it again. I am, and so and and also I, um, you know, I I've kept myself in good shape, and so I'm not going to feel like oh, I don't want to go out there and everybody, you know, look at me and go, oh, look at that fat, ugly, old, you know, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm still in pretty good shape. I can, I can still pull this off. I can still go out there and, and do this. So. Hmm. When is the last time you sang a Soraya tune? Um, you mean live? Yeah, or, even at, even at home on your own, if you know, you probably have a small studio uh, there or something. Um, I sing I sing it only when I'm in my car. I like singing my songs in the car, so my kids aren't like, "Mom, turn that shit off, <laughs> <laughs> turn that eighty stuff off." <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, no, I I sing in my car because. I know that if I'm sitting down and still hitting my my high notes, that my my vocal cords are still, you know, good to go. Excellent. So it's it's good exercise for me to be able to do that, hmm. and I could sing as loud as I want. Yeah. I'm not bother anybody. Yeah, you probably have pe- I, you probably have people in the cars next to you looking at you saying, "What's wrong yeah. with this woman?" But um, <laughs> but one good thing is like uh, my. Because my kids, I've shown my kids some of the stuff I've written. I've written other kind of stuff. Like, I love this, um, like, I would love to do, like, a solo record. It's more like in the Chardet style. Mm. And where I'm singing very low, like, very low. And um, very, uh, I like, the songs are very sexy. I love sexy sounding songs, you know, too. That's like the other direction I'd like to explore. And I've written stuff over the years and my kids are like, um, no, that, no, that, that sucks. This, that, that sucks. And, but when they heard the song that, um, I just finished with uh, that Tony sent me, they're like, mom, that's cool. Is that you? I'm like, Nice. Yeah, that's cool. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I'm like, okay, good. You know, something that this generation likes. Nice. Yeah. Well, Sandy, I'm not expecting them to to like it. You know, this generation to like it, but oh, you never, you never know. You never know. <laughs> a, a good song is a good song. <laughs> so it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Anytime. Um, anytime perfect. Well, well, have a good rest of the day. And it's thanks, okay. thanks a million for talking to me. It's been a great chat. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your time. No problem. Take care of yourself. All right. Right. Bye bye. There you go. Richie's chat with Sandy Soraya. And uh, there you see that uh, she's talking about possibly some brand new music from the band in uh, in the coming months. So we'll see what happens with that one. But uh, very interesting news there. And I know that uh, Richie was psyched about maybe hearing some brand new stuff. And uh, even better if it's more of the guitar-driven stuff as well. But we'll just have to wait and see what happens. So I know what you are asking right now. What is up for next week for the throwback episode? Well, next week we will be talking to vocalist Mike Vacera. Mike had the honor of handling the vocal duties for loudness from 1989 until 1991. And he was featured on two studio albums from the band, uh, Soldier of Fortune, as well as On the Prowl, which was uh, primarily a bunch of uh, re-recordings of uh, older loudness songs, as well as three new songs. But Mike gets into all of that in the interview. And uh, just, uh, you know, very cool if you want to, you know, hear about a Connecticut boy heading out to Japan and singing for, uh, you know, one of the major metal acts from Japan. Great stuff next week as we kind of get a little bit of an experience of that through Mike's eyes. And in the meantime, as always, you can keep up with us at focusonmetal.net, focusonmetal.blogspot.com. Hit Richie up on Facebook. You can also catch up with us on Twitter. But for this week, that's it. There ain't no more. Stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. So for Richie, myself, and everybody else here at Focus on Metal, as we always say, have yourselves a great metal week. And until we talk to you again next week, remember... Focus on Metal! Everything else is insignificant.
still here? It's over. Go home.